Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 560. Got a small panel, but a powerful panel. I think I found some interesting stories. It's been an interesting couple of weeks, hasn't it, listeners and viewers, to say the least. Um, I've got the arrows and knife attacks that I have suffered from my remarks last week, but there we go. Uh, um, so I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves and then we're going to get on with this coach and pony, as we say. So let's start with Vito. Vito, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to listeners and viewers? Yes, I'm Vito. I'm the founder of WP Feedback, soon to be renamed. And uh, yeah, just today we kind of announced it in the group, uh, which we are a platform that helps uh, web agencies and freelancers uh, deliver projects fast and manage the entire agency. Oh, so what are you going to be calling it? Atarim, it's called, uh, which means uh, Atarim. It means uh, websites in Hebrew, basically. We wanted this... uh, uh, you know, like this uh, uh, generic uh, name so that we can expand the vision because we are definitely no longer a feedback tool and we are definitely no longer a plugin even. We're oh. like a, a SaaS that helps with agency management instead of a plugin that helps with feedback, how we started a year and a half ago. Oh. So a massive rebound is coming. Oh, well, you have to tell us more. And I've got my friend John Locke. John, uh, would you like to uh, join us? Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, definitely. Uh, John from Lockdown Design and SEO. And what I do is I help uh, companies like manufacturers with SEO. Here's Sally. That's oh, great. And I've got Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, it's Spence from launchflows.com. All right. And I've got my friend Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Sally Getch. I am the WP fangirl and organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup. That's great. So let's go in. Um, story one. Oh, before I go into some stories, I've got to talk about my main sponsor. That's Kinsta Hosting. Kinsta Hosting is a WordPress-only hosting provider, a premier one. If you've got a site that needs that extra performance like WooCommerce or a learning management system or a large membership site, you should go and have a look at Kinsta and what they've got to offer. Um, They've been hosting the WP Tonic site now for about three years and also sponsoring. And why should you care? Well, if you, like I say, if you've got a a site that needs some humph or you are building a site for a client and you know it needs that extra bit of performance, you need Kinsta. So go over there, see what plans they've got to offer. I suggest that you buy one for yourself or for your clients. And the main thing is to tell them that you heard about Kinsta on the WP Tonic show. That really helps Kinsta and it helps the show as well. And I really appreciate your support. So into story one. WordPress proposal, a line release cycle with industry standard. Uh, what do you reckon about this one, John? Yeah, you know, I I don't develop a lot of software, so I don't know how big of a deal it is. Basically, what's happening is um, the naming conventions of the different cycles um, are being changed 
to be more like what other software development stuff is called. So I really don't know how big of a deal this is. I mean, beta and release candidate stay the same. There's three other cycles that are being renamed or being proposed to be renamed. So it always seems to be a constant. Um, it kind of seems to die down, and then there's always it always kind of rears its head after like a year about you know about the update process, doesn't it? They're always so. What do you reckon, Spencer? First of all, I had no idea there was a <clears throat> release cycle right now. <laughs> it's only been 15 years, and I'm, I feel like I just woke up uh, under a tree somewhere, and it's 2020, and there's a release cycle. Um, <clears throat> it's 21, actually. <laughs> right, oh my God. <laughs> Rip Van Spence. Um, I will say this much. There's a, a, when you do participate... Yeah, we in have the, had Christmas and the New Year, Spence. I was just sharing the story with you of how I was relating with a, a friend. When's the last time we went to ski? And she told me it wasn't this year. It was two years ago. And I sort of, like, two years. All right. So if you are one who participates at all in making something software related, there's a lot of different techniques that come up in terms of how you do it. Some people do, for example, you know, offsite development, and then they upload it through a GitHub or a repository, and then team members can participate, blah, 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 blah. That in and of itself is a complicated task because you got to give everybody who participates a way to manage <clears throat> their, their suggestions. And somebody has to choose, and then it becomes part of, you know, let's say the main fork or the main uh, repository. Here, the problem is they're trying <laughs> to battle the, oh my God, all the page builders are going a million miles an hour features for Gutenberg. At the same time, they got all these like really sometimes pretty bad core bugs or, you know, security fixes and so forth. So you have two competing interests spread out amongst a, an organization that really is a headless leader, you know, or, or is a headless of any leadership. So I find it interesting because if they take a standard cycle, that's going to be the death knell of any Gutenberg development going fast. Let's be honest, because there are companies like Sandhill Development where Pippin has published that since he gave it out to his team, they have become very well known for being super, super reliable releases, but their releases come out like Christmas once a year versus launch flows where somebody gives me a good idea at 12 o'clock and by 12.15, a new release is out there. I can afford that because I only have to ask one person. So I think this is going to be a really big problem for them. If they align to an industry standard, you're going to be able to set your calendar to wait for the next time something interesting happens with Gutenberg, mm -hmm. which right now some, is the some last people thing might need. be happy of that about that. But I mean, in all fairness, there was another story I think we we're going to talk about, but we talk about this all the time. Like the Gutenberg, you know, hub and the other projects that were moving faster with Gutenberg. The reason they're able to move faster is because they're not part of the core release; they're add-ons to it, right? So I think they're just shooting themselves in the foot in a certain way. And there's actually a comment to the similar effect, which is like, maybe Gutenberg's feature should be a, a separate, I don't know what, you know, plug-in or add-on or something so that it can go fast and not have to wait for these other things. Well, of course, Gutenberg itself is still being developed as a separate uh, uh, plug-in and then they decide which bits to, to merge in. And I think you've done a, a great job, Spence, at outlining 
um, the problems if they do this. Uh, it the wasn't article, just me, Sally. Don't do that. Don't do that to we, me. We, my, we had a talk. Buddy, my, heart, my heart starts pounding. And right. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I get hot every time you do that. Uh, however, um, I mean, what the, the article kind of focuses on is is the problem with not doing it, or at least the problem with the way they've been doing it, that there are pretty substantial changes often made, you know, late in the beta phase where um, uh, then there, there's just much less time to test them. Uh, and this is part of why we're seeing that, you know, oh, and two days after after we release it, that, you know, the point. Uh, uh, one uh, version comes out because, uh, you know, s- somebody discovered a, a serious bug. Plus, you have those episodes where you've got something that's pretty far along the path of development. You're expecting to work with it. you And, you know, it gets pulled at the last minute, like the um, post formats. Uh, I, I, you know, those stuck in my mind because I just like recorded a bunch of videos about them and, and then had to to change them. Uh, so, you know, there are problems they would avoid uh, by adopting this this more standard system. And there are problems they will incur. And that does seem like pretty much the shape of life. Uh, you know, every decision you make is going to have some kind of a drawback. Here we go. What do you reckon, Vito? And first of all, I think that this size of product has to have those stages, even though I agree with you, Spencer, that uh, that it does, uh, you know, cripple the, the speed of, uh, of development. Um, I don't think that WordPress needs speed of development where it is right now, or at least the core doesn't really need that. Uh, that's what we're here for, you know, basically. Uh, to uh, to to enhance on what they missed, I guess. Um, also, I I think that no matter what they will do. Uh, all right. So that being said, you shouldn't be you shouldn't um, elaborate the process more than you should. Uh, so um, so creating like five stages until you release something uh, is not going to help with a point one version because no matter how many developers are using it. It's not the millions and millions of websites that are out there. So stuff will be found. You know, that's uh, just part of the game uh, uh, for, I guess, any product in the world, not necessarily just, uh, uh, not even just digital products. Uh, you know, when, when it's done at scale or when it's used at scale, weird stuff will happen. People that have 1,500 uh, plugins installed on their installation. And, uh, you know, or the guy that has just one plugin that is from seven years ago. Uh, you know, so these kind of stuff will, where they will never find because the people that are working on WordPress are usually people that know how to use it properly in most cases. Uh, so uh, they're not the ones that are, you know, like there's always... The, I always remember this, this uh, picture of... Um, of a pathway, you know, so someone designed a really beautiful kind of like brick laid out pathway that goes like this, but then the user went on the on the grass and paved their own, uh, a, a, you know, a path inside the grass, uh, just stomping on everything. So that's going to happen either way. What I would suggest is just keeping it to like, you know, it's not, that's not up to me, uh, but uh, what I would do is I would set it up as like a three-step uh, system, alpha, beta, and out, and that's it. And then the point one will come anyway, and two will come, and three will come. Yeah, right. 
I, I, I agree with you. Right. This, I think this going on to story two. Oh, I just love this stupid uh, um, from Professor Galloway, Scott Galloway. Uh, um, so who should I choose? This is choose Spencer. So what did you think of stupid? I mean, it brings up what's happening now in the United States with like literally as we speak any, every day with the, hmm, this is like such a big topic. Can you give, um, can you do us a favor actually, Spencer? Can you, can you give a brief outline what you think the article sure. is I mean, about? <clears throat> essentially, he's using a, a metaphor of a, the pandemic, of a virus for what's happening with America where there is like Trumpism versus rational thought or conservatism absconded by Trumpism compared to liberalism. And there's some obvious comparisons and John can speak very fluently on this, but I mean, I'm a big fan of what was recently said about AOC and so forth, that what can happen in a a liberal Republic is that a fringe group, can essentially create an iconic figure or an iconic figure can show up that irritates the fundamental basis of this, which is in America, white, certain white people feel disempowered by the fact that other people of color or other gender orientation are having a fair shot at the same way they did, but are succeeding at being normal or succeeding at being happy and healthy. And there's something about the innate nature of human beings that when a, 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 a badly intended iconic figure uses those natural instincts and emotions and magnifies them and holds them up to these people's faces, that it riles them up to be completely irrational and self-destructive to the very foundations of our republic. And you can see that now because the hypocrisy of how many of these actors, even the ones in in government, the police in some cases, the Black Lives Matter protest in the very same space when ordered by the Trump people, gets 450 people arrested and massive military action and so forth. And even as we're sitting here today with video of people bragging of them doing these criminal actions in real time, where the Trump people a month before it said that has to be punishable by 10 years in prison. People bragging about it, and there's still only like 90 people arrested or even called, and they feel no guilt. And you've got these really radical new senators or congresspeople saying like, they're gonna, the green lady, saying we're gonna impeach President Biden before he's even been enlisted in the office. This is the same kind of viral problem like COVID. In other words, We can't have a healthy state of the union. We can't have a healthy country where there is a a mindset that a virus, this really crazy Trumpist ideological thing that, that stemmed from Reagan, infects all these disenfranchised white people and makes them into basically viral zombies going around and destroying the body that we all live in. And yeah, I, I think, think that's, um, that's the thing. I thought that was a very good synopsis. Thank you. Thank you. But oh, the other element, the reason why I thought it was relevant to put it in the show is the his comments about um, social media. Um, I think the hypocrisy of Silicon Valley and also very uh, sizably also the, the popular social platforms, i.e. Twitter, 
I think Twitter's position is hypocrisy itself. But that's potentially tempered, John. That I didn't address that, but let me just say something. The, we've said in this show before, and I feel it's very true, you only have two variables in Silicon Valley. <laughs> does it make money or does it not make money? Zero there, and one. There is no morality in, in Silicon Valley. So when you look- And, and this that, is different from other aspects of business. How? I'm saying, <clears throat> I'm saying, for example, in Silicon Valley, nobody brings in religion, okay? You could have, let's say, if you're in the Deep South, you could have some, you know, preacher or somebody who is making a trillion dollars a year tax-free uh, flying on his jet, and there's a bit of a hypocrisy because they're bringing the Bible into it. Silicon Valley is not bringing the Bible or religion into it. They're not trying to claim a higher power. Their only God is investor return and the, you know, the sense of worth that comes from that. But the thing is that these 30-something-year-olds, or 40-something, depending, who are controlling these major channels, they're more the problem of like the Andrew Carnegie around the turn of the century. They own the railroads, and somebody woke up and realized, shit, we're really screwed because all the railroads are owned by one person. And actually, what's, uh, well, actually uh, 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 what's happening is now they're getting their comeuppance. The comeuppance is where the needle swings, where enough people wake up to, oh my God, I didn't really realize that all of the problems are because Trump or whomever could say any effing thing they want on Twitter, that really the problem is a Jack Dorsey problem because he was allowing this to happen or a Mark Zuckerberg problem. And now the needle is going to swing along with corporate sponsorship way the hell to the you know, other side, at least temporarily, to counterbalance this. Whether we can find some place in the middle with it, hard to say, but that's definitely the swinging of the needle. They got away with it until they couldn't, and now their only God is money. They're realizing, holy crap, we're going to be losing our whole company if we allow this to go on because everybody's going to be rebelling the other way. Yeah. So, Vito, um, what's the view from London, from your friend, when they view what's going on in the US? And what's your view on the social media platforms and their... Um, they now seem to be totally um, trying to get rid of Miss, Mr. President Trump, where one week ago they couldn't get enough of his um, outpourings, yeah. could they? So it's it's kind of ironic because they built him up and now they're trying to tear him down uh, that way. Uh, at least that's how it seems from outside. Um, I would say, like, I'm trying to keep it, like uh, Spencer is saying, as like a business kind of... Uh, a business decision a mindset. He just broke the terms and condition. That's it, you know. That's all that happened here. And uh, he signed the terms and condition when he joined each one of those platforms. Uh, and when he broke it, like when I, um, you know, when I was using a, a Facebook uh, ten years ago with my bank and liking every or adding like uh, a billion friends a day, they kicked me out. You know, I was breaking the terms and condition. So what can you do? Like the, the, thing, the thing that is surprising me is that how everyone is placing this as more of a political uh, decision or political kind of point, instead of saying like there are, there are agreements that you agreed to when you joined the platform uh, uh, and you're meant to use it in some way. And if you're going to use it in another way, we have the right as the software uh, uh, owners to just kick you out. It's not yours. And everyone is talking about like censorship. It's not, a, I don't think it's about censorship. I think it's just a matter of uh, um, of 
there were guidelines and rules that were established when you first joined. And when you didn't do that, yeah, but then, you didn't, didn't well, break, yes, but the, didn't, but the didn't problem it. is that the reason those terms and conditions weren't enforced like the first time something incendiary got got said was yeah, political. Well, maybe I don't know about that. I I, I think to me it, it was, seems that it was just like, like things went overboard. This, you know, right? Like things I, went over the edge, and people could see the like uh, the need for enforcing uh, all. Like uh, inside, like let's say inciting viol- violence is uh, is uh, is a, a, a you know a clause in the terms and condition. Uh, inciting violence it, is a crime. Yeah, well, but it wasn't. Uh, 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 it I wasn't. Mean, um, it wasn't. It didn't happen. Or maybe it did, uh, but it didn't happen to this. I just want to ask you, because you're, like, okay. you're. I just want to ask you this because you're based in the UK. Do you think because of the regulations over the media in the UK? that um, if President Trump was based in the UK, could he actually say the things that he said in the US in the UK? Yes. He could still. Well, the the audience that uh, Trump has, he will have it everywhere in the world, you know, like there's the... No, I mean, if he was domicile in the UK... Could uh, could a either somebody who's living in the UK, who's not a UK citizen, but domicile in the UK, or is a UK citizen? Do you think they could actually legally, in the framework of the legislation that controls media in the UK, say what he's what he's said in the US? What he's saying. Um, I don't know if it would be in broadcast as it is in in the U.S. because, like, uh, you know, it seems like the news the news channels in the U.S. are, you know, like BBC doesn't look anything close to CNN or Fox News. Uh, you know, it it, it seems like it's more of a, it, yeah, it's more well, the, the, it's still like you know, there's still a, there's still a bit of leeway there, but it's more about uh, information or or trying to be informational about the things that are being discussed than just a reality show. Like, uh, you're looking at American TV, everything is just a massive reality show. Uh, so um, so from that aspect, I don't know if it would have gotten, it probably, it probably would have been a, a calmed down a little bit, you know, or just kind of mm, making it a little uh, stale, uh, like the British likes, like the British like to do. Uh, but uh, but it very much uh, you know it very much uh, taps into the American culture. The, the whole, I've got the actually. Whole thing. I've got yeah, actually. Of course, there was that small wiretapping issue with the British press a few years ago. Just a little bit, and that was under Murdoch's. Um, Sally's bringing up uh, um, uh, Murdoch, the owner of um, Sky. Um, was involved in um, all his, um, some of his editor of the News of the World was involved in the bugging of almost all celebrities. Right. And I'm not saying these guys are saints, that's for sure. Like, uh, you know, not, not, no one in politics is a saint. This I, I have, panel, I have a prediction before I put it over to, to John. I have a prediction, panel. Uh, I think our president will be leaving America in the near future. Uh, um, he will be going to a Middle Eastern country that doesn't have very strong... Um, um, extraditional agreements with the USA there he will he will establish a um, 
internet television platform to rival RT. And for the next four years, we will have to... I don't think you should... Re- no, we no, will no, wait a minute. RT is actually not a bad news station. No, no, he's <laughs> not. Well, I'm saying in the four years, we will have the pleasure of him broadcasting like six hours a day on his own platform to 70 million um, supporters that are rabid, uh, that absolutely love him. Uh, um, that is the prospect that we're well, going to Well, yes, I don't, know, I don't know that all 70 million people who voted no for Donald Trump are the, are the sort of people who are, you know, going to go and storm the Capitol. It's not, not going to happen, though. It's impossible because two reasons. A... His whole family, including his love of his life, you know, Ivanka, are all going to be here, okay? <laughs> and so he would have to literally throw his entire family under the bus because every single prosecutor... Wait, you think he would hesitate? Would, would round do, up... Do you every, honestly think he would hesitate to do that like that? Okay, I'm not saying... Listen, there's always like a percentage. But he would literally have to cut himself off from every, you'd have to throw every family member, related person, everybody ever knew under the bus, which, by the way, is not a good question for him. But then the second thing is, is, is that you now have full control, thankfully, by the Democrats of everything, extradition, smextradition, because what will happen is those other governments will want to reestablish good ties with America. There is not a country on the planet that will hold Trump against the wishes of the United States government at this point, because to do so would be to alienate their entire country from all the benefits of world participation. That is is no upside to holding him in their country. He has nothing. The only one who could do it would be Russia. And they've they've already decided he's like got no use to them anymore. Oh, there you go. I'm sure they can find somewhere for Moscow. But what's really going to happen is there's going to be like a, a David Koresh showdown in Mar-a-Lago when he tries to hold himself up in Mar-a-Lago and the New York guys go down there to pick him up. That's what's going to be next on the news because there's so many people ready and willing. The second the clock ticks 12 o'clock on the 20th or whatever the date is, they're, they're going to be waiting for him with the car and cuffs. I mean, because he's got such a backlog of people waiting for that moment. No, I think you. I call him. I call him Teflon Trump. You know, nothing sticks, and um, nothing will stick to this guy. His ability to weasel. He threw Giuliani uh, under the bus. No, no attorneys will represent him now. Literally, he's the new story is he can't get an attorney to touch him because he even refused to pay Giuliani. It's being reported. Like Giuliani threw his. Oh, soul. poor Giuliani. Um, over, oh, yeah. to, over, over to Giuliani. Over to John. What do you okay. and and and, the, and I want to clarify this too because um, the name of the article is stupid. But for people who might not read this article, I, I just want to say like Scott Galloway is using a different definition than you might be thinking of for this. And I agree with about sixty five percent of what he says yeah. here. He gets he starts getting close to like what the cause of all this is. But he doesn't quite get there because he's leaving certain parts out. The people who stormed the Capitol, most of them were professional. They were not from the trailer park. They were not from, you know, they were not rednecks. They were like realtors, a school therapist, an attorney. These are all people, lawyers that had professional jobs. Firemen, police officers. Firemen, cops, yeah. It's it's an important point he makes about like, 
you know, stupidity. It's, it's, it's not nothing to do with education or intelligence. Nope. It's nope. an attitude. It, um, yeah, people choose like what people gravitate toward the, the information that, that lines up with what they already believe. That's the truth of the matter. These people are not uneducated. They choose to make these decisions. But this we need to recognize, too, this phenomenon did not start with Donald Trump, didn't start with Ronald Reagan and his rhetoric about carefully coded rhetoric about welfare queens, didn't start with George Wallace who was a segregationist who won three states as an independent in 1964, didn't start with Woodrow Wilson, um, who called The Birth of a Nation, which is like uh, the first hit movie in America, which is basically a uh, a Klan uh, propaganda film that demonized black people. Um, you know, this goes all the way back. And we still have remnants of this. And this is why people when it's Black Lives Matter saying, don't shoot us, you know, we're getting shot by the cops discriminately when, you know, people storm the Capitol and try and take over the government and they're planning to kidnap and kill uh, Congress people. And Congress people is, is coming out or in on this, you know, people say, but what about, what about, what about, you know, um, all these so-called riots, you know, that happened um, during the summer. Well, for one, a lot of the violence didn't happen until cops escalated the violence. They kept escalating the violence, you know, and that's that's how these things turned this way. Two, there is a lot of in, there is a lot of agent provocateurs that were doing things to blame uh, Black Lives Matter. And these many, many videos that show this people saying, don't, you know, break that window. Don't, you know, do this or that. But it's a lack of empathy for black people in this country because we still do not consider them equal. And this is something that I found out over the last 12 months. Well, it's not only black people, yeah. isn't it? It's the Hispanic community. Yeah, it's literally, it's manifest, any, yeah. It's literally anybody that Hold doesn't fit doesn't fit the right stereotype, does it? You know? Yeah, it's it's build the wall. Um, it's the lie of manifest destiny that enabled a genocide of, of Native Americans. And this is it, you know, and it, this is this spirit that still is the undercurrent in American culture. I think, culture. actually, I just want to, because yeah. I want to wrap this up and then go for a break, but I actually, I think it's even something even more than that, John. I think the greatest crime in America is not being black or being Hispanic, I think the greatest crime is being black, Hispanic, and being poor. I think. I think. Oh no! Uh, it's uh, a much uh, greater crime if you're not poor, because how dare you? How yeah. dare you attempt to, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, achieve, a, achieve uh, human status? Never mind wealth and success. Yeah, probably. And, and it works the other way around because this Josh Hawley, who is a highly educated private school for high school, Princeton. He is he is portraying himself as a simple man, like he's just one of the good old boys, when in fact he's highly crafty and more dangerous because of it, because unlike Trump, he actually does have the wherewithal and the brains to use this kind of thing in a, an effective manner. But it's ironic, isn't it? Because like if you are of brown or black color, and you're highly educated and a good citizen and successful, you will be taken down because you don't belong. But if you're a white person 
you are allowed to pretend that you're a simpleton in order to win the hearts and minds of the other simpletons. It's a one-way street, depending on your color. And it's it's so patently obvious in the way that, again, the, the police respond and things to, you know, the, pulling over just an ordinary traffic stop, let alone, uh, you know, people protesting peacefully. Uh, there was some uh, cartoon that I, I found that was posted where it was like uh, um, from Family Guy, you know, uh, the main characters in a car and the cop holds up like the, the Pantone color. You posted it. And it's, you know, like, what is this? Is this a riot or is it just a protest? It yeah. depends on how dark your skin is. And it's just crazy how obvious that is. But what, what interests me is that in the media, in social media and in the traditional media, print and TV and radio, there are so many hypocrites. Um, there, there seems to be an endless um, well of these hypocrites that um, get so worked up and they've spent four years enriching themselves in enabling this man um, to say what, what he has said. On a cons- you know, what makes me laugh, what makes me um, I'm so surprised is that so many people are so su- surprised about how things have ended up. He di- he has never really um, hidden his criminality and his attitudes from day one. He's been consistent in publicising what he really thinks, and he hasn't exactly hidden anything to anybody. You know, he he was quite. I think he um, he he made a statement that he could go down, walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and nothing would be done about him. And he said that at the beginning of his campaign. So why are people surprised? You know, I I I'm I I'm puzzled why people are surprised. That was the that, appeal, wasn't it? That was the that was the, the, the sell, wasn't it, Vito? Yeah. That was the brand, wasn't it? That was the. Um, that's what you brought into brand Trump. What you see it? is what you get. Yeah, that's the yeah. kind of a, yeah. You know, I'm not a fake. You know, I'm awful, but I, I'm just telling the how it is. You know, and look, these these other politicians are just politi- You know, they're just backhanding corrupt politicians, and I'm I'm awful, but I I at least I tell you what they haven't got the guts to to, to say. And that was his brain. Did, um, why are why is everybody so pr- surprised that it's ended up the way it has? But let's go for a break, and we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WP Tonic as your trusted white label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WP Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. We're coming back. Um, had a good discussion. I just thought it was a great article from Professor. I didn't like like John said. I agreed with about seventy percent of it, but at least it made me think. Um, on to the next one. 
competition and positioning for WordPress products in 2021 and beyond. I thought this was ideal for you, Vito. What what did you think of this particular piece? First of all, I like uh, reading Alex's uh, blog. This is a great blog uh, to just uh, learn uh, about the, the industry and uh, uh, he sees things in a very interesting way. Um, I agree with most of the stuff. So just to kind of like uh, recap uh, what's going on here. It's a pretty long one, but basically it's saying that there is still a lot more room for growth uh, and there's a lot more uh, room for uh, new companies to emerge within the ecosystem over the upcoming years. Um, also, while, uh, while, uh, while some products are starting to consolidate with each other, uh, um, we're going to be seeing uh, uh, some uh, mammoths get going into the or more of those kind of unicorns growing inside the space that are just kind of like consuming some of the smaller uh, players in there. Uh, that being said, it doesn't disrupt the smaller ones for making an impact. And I think that uh, I think that this panel is a good example of uh, of that. You know, in 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 our space, if you just do something uh, good, uh, then uh, it's just going to float to the top. Uh, and uh, even uh, you know, it was, it was talking about like Elementor and how um, not only Elementor, WordPress, uh, the WordPress.com platform, the WooCommerce.com that has teamed up with GoDaddy to create that kind of environment. Elementor with their cloud application. Some uh, some people are or some uh, players are uh, looking at the at the industry not just from a product point of view, but from a platform point of view. And I think that this is a very interesting uh, point to follow. Uh, John, maybe an SEO-based uh, platform, you know, uh, like a SEO-based WAS. Uh, so, um, so this is definitely like definitely an interesting read uh, around this. Um, what I didn't agree with is the add-ons model. I always hate the add-ons model, oh. and uh, the reason for that is because. Like you really end up with a hundred plugins on your website. You know, you install EDD, that's 15 plugins. And then you need affiliate WP, that's another 15 plugins. Uh, and then uh, you need Elementor and their add-ons, not even talking about Gutenberg that you cannot really use on its own. Like it's not usable on its own. You have to have like five, six more stuff uh, on there. Uh, but even the SEO plugins are uh, are uh, looking into that kind of angle. Gravity Forms, seven, eight. It- it's quite easy to end up with a site with 60, 70 plugins. Is it? It's, easy. Very, it's, it's very you easy. You have four tools and you're at 70 plugins. I'm not kidding. Like this is, uh, uh, so we were just doing redoing our website and uh, we're looking at our list. We literally were close to the 100 plugins on the website after two years of using it. And I was like, okay, something has to be done. Let's try and cut this down to 30. I couldn't. Like yeah, I, I, I ended up back to 50, 50, 60 plugins with just the core functionality of uh, of selling stuff, something, uh, affiliates and uh, Gravity Form, and you're done. Uh, so um, I, well, I think that this Are, are you really going to have one start. plugin that does 100 things or 100 no. plugins that so, do one thing each? Not, no and no. So uh, what I do think is that the right approach is to is for platforms like, uh, uh, you know, from I was giving examples for uh, for EDD, Gravity Form, and those kind of kind of guys, is creating a way that uh, the 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 script is deployed when needed, but it's still uh, loaded like in in where it's needed instead of it being a plugin, which means that it's uh, that it is loaded on every 
page of the website, whether you like it or not, to some extent. Uh, so they can control that. And uh, uh, I don't mean installing everything in, but uh, with Gutenberg, the way that it is working right now, and it was also talking about the human-made kind of platform, headless CMS that are going into this, into this, uh, into the space, uh, the ability to use APIs to deploy features is easy. And so, like, um, so let's say you install EDD as a free plugin. Yes, well, apparently the ability to use APIs to, you know, pull down the entire contents of Parler was also easy. Uh, <clears throat> That's all, yeah. You know, WordPress has other security issues regardless to APIs, and that is actually something Well, that is you know, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, but using APIs have, have their own issues, don't they? It's a glorious... Um, vision, but sometimes the reality doesn't match the vision, does it? You know. Um, well, I think Vito has a really good point about the way plugins work at the moment, so that you do get scripts loaded on a bunch of pages where they're not being used. And I mean, yeah. you know, we were just people were just sharing some snippets in the Genesis chat about here. This is what we do to like not put. WooCommerce shit on pages that aren't product pages, you know, if you're if you're not using that because it, you know, it, it causes a lot of performance issues. Yeah. You load you load WooCommerce on the contact us page, you know, why? Right, right. So that that you know, there maybe needs to be just a, a broader structural uh, issue addressed about whether it's a a plugin or a SaaS or whatever it is to find a way to, you know, only run the scripts where you need them. Yeah. So, like, uh, it can be done, you know, but but with the, with the add-ons culture, I think that it's just kind of uh, uh, pushing it away from, from, from doing that. Like, we have features that are loading just where they need to. You know, no, nothing needs to be loaded. Uh, we have, like, the graphic feedback stuff. Why would I load that on someone's uh, about page? So I don't. Uh, on all of the associated scripts with that. Uh, but so it can be done, it, but but with add-ons, it makes it a lot harder to do uh, uh, because of the flexibility of these uh, of these tools. I would even uh, damn, I had a, another good point that I forgot now. Uh, thinking about talking about this, uh, but uh, around the kind of um, uh, uh, the, oh right, so the add-ons, uh, the add-ons culture that happens in not only WordPress, but this is like a culture that happens. Uh, Throughout uh, the web design industry, we see this a lot on on Shopify now, also, and yeah. uh, uh, and uh, even uh, like I can Magento. tell you, uh, last time it was almost it's now almost four years since I did my last major Shopify build out, and it's rampant. It was rampant then. So, but I, yeah. so you're saying it's rampant so even more. Yeah, it's it's even worse. But what I'm saying is that I think that this is causing us as an industry to take the same mindset of add-ons of of like small bits and pieces and and uh, and this instill it into other aspects of our businesses and our lives. And one of the things that I was kind of um, a, you know kind of researching uh, recently and was pretty surprised to find out is that you know like. Uh, um, uh, a web designer delivering a website is using between seven to 15 different tools uh, that are not only used by them, 
which to, to us it's fine because we are we are already have the, the plugin and and add-ons mindset around it but it's introduced to non-savvy tech to non-savvy clients and uh, that uh, all they know is like just like two apps in their lives you know email and Facebook and or whatsapp and Facebook uh, uh, yeah no sorry it's it's Excel and PowerPoint if they're right. uh, if they're incorporated <laughs> you see what I mean like you know like this is uh this is sifting this this culture is sifting into everything that we do and uh, I, I think that this is uh, creating a much bigger problem for the entire industry than uh, than just that kind but of thing. But Vito, Vito, my beloved friend, I have the solution for you. It's called Jetpack. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm sorry. I just couldn't resist it. I just couldn't resist it. You know, I, I, I haven't installed Jetpack in like 10 years. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but, I, but, but the idea Yes, well, let me tell you, it doesn't right. grow like a unicorn. It grows like a cancer. Um, <laughs> but the idea of it is right, you know, like that you should have, you know, mm. it's kind of disruptive to the way that the industry was developed over the past uh, t- uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, but the concept of having a product that serves you uh, from different aspects is correct. Like, uh, you know, now as I was... I have to find. I have to find. I I think there's some element. I think it depends on how far you push it, and I I think what your observation and remarks they have some truth to them. But on the other hand, that is the strength of you know of a a module based system, and I I think a module based system that's based on common sense principles will always That's in my so, in my opinion always be better but why than, do you need 15 plugins for your for your woocommerce shop why like you need that you you um, wanted well WooCommerce. i mean you didn't I, I, I just installed woocommerce i built a store uh, uh, recently for a client and i believe we have two add-ons for that one is the square to to process the payments and one is the uh, like you know connect it to constant contact, right? That's it. You know, I didn't That's have a to. Very I, basic shop, but I can tell you, like for example, a client that we have uh, that has uh, a that has a, a successful shop, you know, selling like uh, about a hundred grand a month they are on there. Uh, they need they need uh, features, you know, they need the suite of features that. You, a lot of them you would you would get um, built into some of those uh, other platforms, uh, like a coupon, like an, an elaborate coupon system, and then uh, um, a wish list, and then uh, a, you know also integrating to Stripe and something like that. But then you have a shipping plugin for each shipping, and they use like four shipping mechanisms, so you have four plugins just on the shipping front. Uh, oh yeah, and, it's know, it's it very ends. easy to add up and. As a customer, it can be quite annoying to feel like you're being like nickeled and dimed into all of these, uh, you know, all of these different uh, add-ons. You know, it seems like in in large part, it's a philosophical difference about modularity versus comprehension. But there's also like either one of those could be done badly. And we see a lot of it done badly uh, in WordPress plugins. And I think that's partly because a lot of us are amateurs. We don't even, you know, when we start putting stuff out there, we don't even know that, you know, there might be a way to not load that script on every page. And, right. uh, you know, and... The, but you know. but my, my point, I'm not, I'm not trying to dislike it. Uh, I think that there is a lot of place for developers that are, that are developing like a, a super focused, uh, very like niched kind of uh, add-ons for bigger platforms. But WooCommerce themselves 
have like a suite of 50 plugins. Uh, EDD has a suite of 50 plugins. Active, you know, um, Gravity has a suite of 50 plugins. You know, each one of them is adding this stuff. So like, why can't I add a checkbox and uh, based on the uh, email marketing tool I want to integrate to, instead of needing to install another plugin for uh, Mailchimp or another plugin for AC or another plugin for this, like well, with know, a lot of the gravity stuff, that is pretty much it. Click this button. I mean, yes, it installs a little bit of something, plugin, but it yeah. but it's tidally integrated into you know turn on that extension, turn all right. on that extension. So, um, all right, uh, what do you reckon, Spencer? I mean, Vito's points are well taken. The I think that the issue that I see, especially in the WooCommerce ecosystem, and, and comparing it to, let's say, the EDD thing where they took back all the add-ons, uh, they mentioned the fact that Pippin had alluded that it became a Wild West with all of the politics and right. the, the personality conflicts of having independent marketplace. That's sort of like the landlord is in charge of the, um, the parking lot where they have the, you know, the Sunday farmer's market. That's different than if you just have a Costco and you sell the same stuff inside your one store. It's oftentimes easier to just take responsibility. So they spend all that money to buy back all of those add-ons from these independent people. As to your question about why or whether it'd be easier to incorporate them as a checkbox option, I think the reason that it doesn't happen is because these features can grow out organically. And in order to incorporate them into the framework of the larger plugin requires almost like a from scratch rebuild of how the code gets implemented. Again, I can only speak to it on a micro scale for my own software, but because I like to do those, oh my God, I'm going to add a feature. I found that I had to remake, just like you guys are maybe doing now, I had to remake the architecture of the plugin to allow that to happen without it turning into a spaghetti ball of Oh, this yes. connects to here, connects to here, to connects to here. So Which the is the right thing to do. That's what but, you should do. You should you should re, I, restructure your architecture as you're expanding. But the module-based system doesn't even allow that because the product stays the same and people are just patching onto it. But that's the problem. Here's what goes on. So now you got a situation like I can speak specifically to WooCommerce. WooCommerce has full team. It's the biggest team in all of WordPress. And they do a great job. Smartest people around. Mike Jolly leads the team. Smartest guy of coding I've met in a long time. In my opinion, has no clue how to do marketing. Not one clue. So there's such an enormous amount of add-ons, including for my plugin, because even as a version 4.9 of WooCommerce, for God's sake, they still don't have a basic sales funnel mechanism in place. I mean, everything my plugin does is a gaping hole that's so obvious. And when he's asked about it, it's it's like trying to talk to, you know, like uh, Sheldon or something on uh, the, the Big Bang Theory. Like you just go off in a like eyes glazed over. So how could WooCommerce possibly integrate all these things when their core team, first of all, are not experts in all of the million end use cases. Number two, they have no financial incentive. In the WooCommerce marketplace, I find this really strange and ironic. If you want to make a plugin, number one, they only give you 40% of the revenue for selling your own add-on in their marketplace, which I think is ridiculous patently. It should be 50-50 as a basis. But number two is that you have to go through all of the rigorous testing. They said, don't expect us to even get back to you for six weeks after you apply. So the point is, they get their hands full. They're not going to refactor the whole code. 
they don't want to take responsibility for something being in the marketplace until they've given it a proctological exam. And then you're under their thumb to do all the work and only get 40% of the revenue, which means that unlike Shopify, where Shopify is a platform, nobody can access the code. So the developers there make a mint because what they're doing is providing high level access to the REST API that mere mortals wouldn't be able to do like they can in WordPress where you can get to the code yourself. And I think that's the significant difference. As long as it's easy to get to the code, as I hope it remains, as long as there's a disincentive for the bigger player, like primary plugins like WooCommerce to do all of the things themselves, there will never be the same incentive of a Shopify or something to kind of bring it into a you know, marketplace. But a bigger issue is this. When you look at like where this is all going, it doesn't matter. Because when I explain to people is like WooCommerce and sorry, WordPress plus WooCommerce was a giant potluck dinner that grew out of a bunch of people 15 years ago, like a small group, everybody knew their names. And then it turned into this thing where there's 250,000 people bringing the same meatloaf or potato salad to the picnic. And all of the confusion that arises today is based upon that. Why do we have 64 plugins that do the same thing? Because that's how it was all along and nobody at the top fixed it. Now, I think that's going to self-correct itself. I mean, it, it's showing signs of it right now just because of like the articles we just talked about, right? The big players will consolidate. The, the little players will have no incentive to try to compete. And for better or worse, the, the big stuff's going to float to the top. And it'll be very well, well, yes. I remember hearing an interview with the creators of Ninja Forms and the interviewer said, you know, so it, something that, that kind of reminded to you, you know, how did you get the, how did you get the nerve to introduce a, a, a form plugin when Gravity Forms was so well established? And they were like, we didn't even know it existed. It, you know, we, we, it's like, obviously we never looked to see if there was another plugin that did this already. And I think that happens a lot. And the other thing so, too is yeah. we don't talk about this, but let's be honest. The number of people who are using, they're or putting their businesses online is growing exponentially due to the, the epidemic and everything else, right? So as much as it sounds like, well, there's a, a fixed amount of pie for everybody to slice up, the pie just keeps getting bigger. And I'm shocked because we deal with like verticals that come from the CRM world. I'm shocked how many people are in 2020 unaware of what you can do with WordPress. I mean, there's there are millions and millions of people never even heard of WordPress. And when those people are exposed to stuff, it's fair as fair. I mean, they may never hear of Gravity Forms. All right. Is it okay, John, that I move on? Yeah, all right. Thanks, John. Um, I think with, I've, with the panel's agreement, I don't want this becoming war and peace. It's gonna, this episode's going to be a little bit longer than normal. Um, but I'd like to jump to story six. Is that okay with the panel? Um, because Sally brought this to my attention, and, and it's the Sand Hills Development 2020 Year Review. And normally, if these end up in my inbox or I'm aware of them, it's just yawn, yawn. But I thought they did a really good job with their write-up with this. When I started reading it, I was um, um, I was quite impressed as, you know, as Pippin... Um, Roti, what do you reckon, John? What did you reckon with with Pippin's effort, effort here and St. Hill's development? 2020 year review. Wow. You know, really great write-up. And, you know, if somebody, if I'm going to wish success on somebody in the WordPress community, I think Pippin is a good guy to have it. 
Um, <laughs> whenever I read these, I feel like I'm failing, <laughs> to be quite honest. But, um, you know, a lot of tough decisions that they made this year. I mean, they sold Restrict Content Pro. That was a very successful plugin, but they wanted to focus on Affiliate WP and EDD. Um, they also have the uh, brewery, which uh, they had to close in, in March, basically, because stuff was drying up, is, is a lot of people who own like bars in particular are uh, going through it. Um, but he's done a lot of good things with his success, which I think is very cool. He's, um, you know, he's, he's committed to offsetting a uh, carbon footprint and helping climate change. And they bought grassland, which uh, basically offsets a carbon output. They did the math on it. I think that's pretty cool. Um, they have all women lead team at, uh, which one it was like EDD. Was it not? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the team is growing. It's good. Um, I think these are, like, pretty cool. Um, a good guy, good team, runs his stuff correctly and uh, does positive things. Yeah, they kind of talked about having to sack some people. And now I, I, I've had, you know, in my business career, had to sack a few people. Um, I've always tried to do it respectfully but i've had to say goodbye whoops they just wasn't doing their job and they wouldn't listen basically um but um i've never enjoyed doing it um it's not something that i have ever looked forward for on my list you know on tuesday i'm gonna sack bill um, whoopee, it's going to be a great day. You know, it, it's not something that I've, but it's something. It's that, very painful and awkward, even if you are delight, delighted to see the back of the person. Part of you is, you know, it's time. But in some, I, I learned, I learned also that um, when I, not now, because most of the people that I work with, it's on a, um, they're independent contractors and they're working for me. Um, so it's a different type of relationship. But when I I learned the hard way that um, some of the people that were sacking, in some ways they knew it was coming and they were relieved. <laughs> they were relieved because they knew they weren't getting on inside the company and they weren't getting on with me. And they, they were in two minds about looking for another job and leaving. So in a way, it kind of, um, it settled the matter. And I was always pretty generous, as generous as I could be with the package that I offered them, um, because I didn't want, um, it was never, they were never going to invite me, uh, send me a Christmas card, but I didn't want them um, to be totally, um, I'm looking for the right word and I'm struggling. So I was impressed he wrote about that. What did you think, Vito? So first of all, I love these articles. Uh, when I first uh, got into this game, I, I read all of these, uh, the ones that uh, Pippin released, and that gave me like a very uh, interesting uh, insight into the industry that I hadn't, I, I didn't have an idea about because I was just from the user point of view. Uh, rather than the maker. Uh, 
Um, I just kind of skimmed through this now because I haven't seen, I missed this one uh, 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 this year, uh, but I can already see that it's continuing down the same path as uh, as uh, with uh, previous years, very, being super transparent. Um, it's always great to see revenue uh, from uh, from other companies and revenue growth, especially because last year we, were, we wasn't even talking into, into these number in these uh, type of numbers. Uh, so 2020 is definitely a great year for them. Just skimming through this, um, yeah, awesome company. I use a lot of their products, and you know, even though we're dissing the, the I know there are tons. <laughs> I, I still have 30, 30 uh, Sand Hill uh, uh, plugins installed on my website as of now. Uh, so um, I think that's the best uh, testament of their success. So kudos to Pippin. Well done, man. So what do you reckon, Sally? Well, um, <clears throat> the specific thing that caught my eye, and, and these are always impressive and thoughtful, and, uh, you know, uh, there's been some... Uh, you know, clearly steps that they took about things like making sure everybody was, uh, you know, paid according to the 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 appropriate scale and transparency about salary and a bunch of stuff. But I, don't want, I, don't I was want to, most I, I, interested in the. Can I just um, quickly you know, interrupt RCP? Because uh, as you as you were saying that, I just want to put one thing to you, Sally. I normally hate these type of documents, especially when they're written by the PR that come from a larger company, because they are normally written by the PR department. And they they're normally. Well, yeah, I mean, the sort of, the sort of corporate version of this is usually awful, uh, very, aren't they? well, yes, I mean, there's a lot of rah-rah, there's a lot of um, trying to put a good face on things that weren't very good, there's, you know, and, and you know, uh, Pippin doesn't do that. He says, look, this is what it what it is. We found out there were some things we were doing badly. There were some, you know, stuff that, uh, here's some stuff that didn't work and why, and um you know that's a very good thing to to see, and he organizes it in a you know in a in a way that's easy to follow. Uh, but the RCP thing had fascinated me because I had not read all the the rationale before, and he linked over to the article that he wrote like after it was sold and about the process of deciding to sell it. And it's like, yeah, no, we sold it. It was very profitable. It was like a huge part of our revenue stream, and we still decided to sell it. And this is how that decision came about. And, that was fascinating, he, his rationality, wasn't and, it? Right, and that, you know, among other things, well, it freed up, uh, you know, cash uh, for, uh, you know, paying people to do things, and it freed up developer time. That, that you know, moving, moving that over uh, meant that they, it was like, you know, they had suddenly magically got three more people on their team uh, because those pe- because the people they already had who already knew how they they worked and were already well integrated into the system had more hours at their disposal. So um, Spencer, what did you think of it? Uh, I really really enjoy everything that Pippin writes. I mean, since the earliest days of WordPress, he's one of the people that has contributed uh, just a real broad sense of where things are positioned in addition to the knowledge that goes along with it. So both as a developer, as a business person, as a uh, higher thinker, as a person with a moral compass, um, you know me, I call everybody bullshit and I'm willing to take it if anybody wants to call me out on it. But like, I have nothing but 
positive things to say or think he's, about. Uh, he's sickening, really. He, 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 <laughs> but, uh, when but, I first I'm, met I'm him, I thought... Of it. I mean, it's sickly to be so here. good at everything, isn't it? You know, when I met him first, he looked like a 12-year-old and he still <laughs> looks he still looks about 25, 30 years younger than he probably is. And um, his ability to do things, you know, and it's almost so sickening, isn't it, really? But, but, but there's, um, a di- there's a difference. <laughs> the schadenfreude does not exist for me with him. Like, there are people in the world who are bifurcated personalities, you know, public persona, real persona. Those people deserve what they get. And as I say, I like to hold the mirror up to myself. That's where a lot of my, uh, you know, guilt comes from. When I, you know, look in the mirror, I go like, I got to be honest with myself. What I love about him is that he doesn't claim to be perfect. He shared not to, uh, I forget what you call that, but where you pat yourself on the back to say some humble, he's not humble bragging. He's just being factual but putting it into the context of the struggle. Now, keep in mind, there are certain people like him and Justin Tadlock who live in the middle of the farm fields of America. So I'm not saying that's the reason he's so able to focus, but I certainly feel his ability to focus comes from the fact that he's positioned himself in a world where he can run lots of things undistracted. But I also love the humanity part of the story. You know, when he discussed why he had to get out of the software and have other people take over the team, it wasn't like, oh, so I could start my Ferrari collection. It was because he was losing his marbles and he realized it, so he went off to try something else. So really, I really, really love this particular year's thing, because it really shows how far a company can go. I have no idea how many people work for the company, but it seems like there's dozens now. So he's supporting a large number of... Can you imagine what the terrible thing is? I think he's one of the, you know, and he's, I don't want this to become a fest show for um, Pippi because he doesn't need that. He doesn't need that for me. I'm sure his ears are burning. Uh, um, but um, he, I always think he's the best you know, one of the best examples of the best of WordPress. Can you imagine what he could have done if he had, you know, he was the CEO of Automatic? Can you imagine? I don't think he wants to be the CEO. No, he doesn't want it anyway. But can you imagine somebody of his caravan was the head of Automatic (laughs) instead of what we got at the present moment, which isn't, you know, to be blunt, is poor leadership at the best. It's Can you imagine what he could have, you know, somebody of Pippin's standard could achieve in one year, what's taken five years of just morally no direction leadership, you know, um, you know, without offending and probably achieving it without offending half the WordPress community in the in the process. It wouldn't work. Uh, you know, but, but John, but just look at what he's what he's saying here. The reason I'm jumping on you is because he was able to do what he did because he's out in the middle of the cornfields, which is a good thing. No politics, no venture capitalists, no flash and, you know, whiz-bang stuff. He made really tough decisions that you could not make politically if you were a high-profile guy like Yost or something. <clears throat> or you couldn't do it if you're Matt and you had to answer to the board of directors, hey, hey, what's going on? Whatever. Sure. Yeah, I have been unfair so there. You're right. That's the point. It's like this is the this is the alternative path to success, which I personally really love because as a non-venture funded entrepreneur my entire life, even though I have pals that do VC, I think it's like a shark tank situation. Take the money very cautiously because it's really more than about the money. You're you're getting into bed with a whole bunch of things and people you don't expect. 
Whereas if you take the slow and steady, you have the ability to make these kinds of decisions even as your company grows. And we're now seeing the payoff. But really, I love the, just more than anything, the fact that he has nothing or nobody to apologize to because he's never had to make those outlandish, please people type of choices in the public forum. You know? Right, yeah. I just wanted that. That's great. Thanks, panel. So let's go. I, I have forgotten my own recommendation. I will make uh, sure. I, well, I would just kind of uh, to continue on this, uh, yes. like the last thought, it's just really interesting to see what can be done in a decade. And that is what this uh, this uh, post really came to because I think the first one was 20, oh, 2012, right? So nine years. And it's like, you know, just go and read the 2012 one that is uh, on there to see what people can do in like 10 years. And it's just amazing. Just amazing. Bo- fully bootstrapped. Yeah, fully bootstrapped. So, Wait, um, can I interrupt so, one more thing? Go, can go. we just make a comment before we go about Kyle Duesenberg's article on Gutenberg? Because There was an article that we didn't get to talk about where the title, and I'm not saying Kyle's trying to be clickbaity, but damn, Gutenberg smokes Elementor. When then you read between the lines and he says, I spent like three minutes making an Elementor page. And then I spent over an hour struggling to make uh, a Gutenberg page, couldn't get it sorted out and couldn't get it working on mobile. But I ignored all of that. And damn, is it smoking on desktop? That's kind of like saying, yeah, I made a Ferrari at home out of paper mache and I didn't bother putting an engine in it or really make it it work. It is pretty funny that when you read it, it's it's like, well, I'm going to still keep using Elementor. Uh, and and uh, 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 oh, you, know, Jesus. It's, it's, uh, you get full star for that, Spencer. I, I launched uh, my paper mache Ferrari with with bottle rockets, and it went 100 miles an hour. So it's totally. And then, and then these discussions about speed. He said, the, the reality is what Vito pointed out. The average. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you. I'm embarrassed to say this on the WP Tonic site. I've got 90 plugins installed, and it just happens over about four or five years it just happens doesn't it Vito it's like putting the weight on it doesn't happen it doesn't happen overnight you just you don't keep your eye on it and then you end up with beer belly you, without you need the, the beer stuff. You, you need and everything and then you think yourself that I've yeah. been on a diet I've been on a uh, a thousand, no, a fourteen hundred calorie diet for the past six months, and I've lost about twenty five pounds, but I've still got a fair whack to go. I'm glad you said pounds instead of stones because that would have been hard. Uh, that would have been astonishing because uh, for, for <laughs> there would be nothing left of me <laughs> to start with. Um, yeah, uh, that would be quite crippling. Uh, it's over 90 uh, plugins on the WP. I'm ashamed to say, listeners and views, I know, you, I know the emails will come my way, but it just happens. So all this crap about, it's, to say it's, you know, it's, it's premature. Just, it's, it's premature to applaud one small aspect of what the Gutenberg Blocks does with while ignoring the devil's in the details. I mean, legitimately, I could draw a wireframe of a website and it'll load in a, a millisecond, but that's not really quite the same as a dynamic, fully functional website. But the, apparently, he and other people are so eager to just get like some kind of, was there a, a, an incentive to write this article? I don't know, but it just seems like really way too much too Thank- soon. I think that it's just a matter of like you can easily show KPIs when you have pay, uh, speed, uh, you know, uh, speed tools, you know, speed check, checkup tools. So it's really easy to see that one is on the green 
and one is on the red. But uh, you, I agree that, uh, and even in the article, it said that uh, like it to get, even to get to the to the broken result that he managed to get to, not because of him, because of uh, the, the product itself, he had to install like four or five different uh, add-ons that came from different places, different CSS, developers. Custom CSS. Custom yeah, CSS, thing. a whole bunch. So Wait. yeah. Yeah. As like, as, uh, but but as long as it's green, as long as the Google uh, speed test is green, you know? I I remember, remember. Like, the green, the green, yeah, the Benjamins. As soon as you hit CSS, like, it's, again, I taught that for eight years. The second you have to use CSS, you might as well just go to Bootstrap. I mean, you might as well just go right back to Genesis with Bootstrap because there's no reason that anybody should ever have to use CSS when you're using a block builder or a page builder. Well, it's, it's a bit like the oxygen. Oxygen's been doing a good job in doubt. I keep trying to get the CEO. If any of the panel know the CEO of Oxygen, um, I keep doing outreach to him and he keeps avoiding replying. Um, but they've been doing a good job of trying to market themselves as the speed and they point out all the nested tables of um, Alimator and, and also Divi and to some extent, Beaver Builder, but Beaver, well, Be- Build- Beaver Builder does have a bad case of divitis. Well, not comp- well compared to Alamato, it's a it's a virgin. Uh, um, um, but um, but like I say, when you get back to the reality of what um, Vito pointed out and what I've I've admitted to, the reality of the situation is very different to um, people on a YouTube channel making a, a five-minute video and they're not lying, but it's like what Spencer says, it's in the detail, really. Uh, um, and that's... So thanks for that. So... Spencer, have you got a product or service that you want to recommend to our beloved listeners and viewers? This is a good one. Um, So there's been a lot of talk lately about uh, alternatives to Slack, but like discourse and so forth, which I enjoy. We tried it. But they're actually kind of struggling, um, in my opinion, to meet certain criteria. So Luke and I were working because we use Slack ourselves. We needed some way to archive knowledge that allowed us to, with seamlessly get to it from Slack. But at the same time, you know, Slack really lacks a good way to store long-term like discussions. So there's a product at slab.com that is free for a small team. Like I can't imagine you even have to pay for it. Um, It gives you a slash slab, like, you know, type it in, create or find. And it essentially, it's like a Google Docs private repository that's free for most teams up to more than you want that connects directly to Slack which means you can on the fly or independently create long-form documents that your team needs and then be able to actually access it. So if you're having this thing like, you know, we're building something or talking about something or just I want to save some webinar script. uh, So check it out at slab.com. The integration with Slack is everything uh, because there's not that many things that work this way. They always require... I'm sure I'm going to be so English and cynical here. Uh, I'm sure Salesforce will stop that in the near future. <laughs> yeah. well, it's, it's no, no. They're, they're pricing. It's it's free for up to ten users with a certain limit of uh, unlimited posts. I mean, like no, I meant the API. 10- I'm sure they they will they they do a Twitter. Uh, well, maybe, um, but this, this is their primary purpose. Is what I'm saying. Like, I think their purpose is not to be a document repository. It's to be an accessory to Slack, and a, and it, 
this is like we're talking about today. Like, why does an ecosystem of add-ons happen? I bet you that Salesforce, if they're not responsible, would want to buy this and make it part of the Slack product. You would have thought, but yeah, you know, I, I totally follow you. John, got anything you want to recommend to this listeners and viewers? Yes. Uh, I, my recommendation this week is an article by Jamie Indigo that appeared on Search Engine Journal. It's entitled, Digital and Disinformation with the SEO Industry can do to fight manipulation. Yeah. Well, it's just avoiding those beer festivals. That's what you got to do, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's a start. Yeah, there we are. Especially when you're preaching people equality okay. and ramming it down their freaking throat. Uh, you know, there we go. That's our old story for another time. This isn't yours. Um, Vito. <laughs> v- oh, God. Vito, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners of yours? Yeah, so as I wrote you on the chat, like I haven't been on for a while, so I'll, I'll use this post to promote something I've been uh, working on for like six months now. God, uh, you're one of my favorite people, so I'll let you have it. It's allowed, right. Yeah, sure. uh, so uh, please check out wahi.io, uh, which is W-A-A-H-I. And uh, this is basically based on the platform that we created to run our virtual summit uh, last year. Uh, and uh, well, we've been running events with this for like custom events for for uh, uh, all kinds of different organizations throughout the year. But one of the interesting points that uh, that is starting to be used with this is the virtual office. Uh, so this is something that I think a lot of uh, remote teams are uh, really lacking, or especially now with the kind of uh, concept of everyone is uh, being remote, uh, creating an environment where everyone can consolidate and work from one place uh, based on video, based on these type of uh, group uh, conversations, uh, boardrooms and, uh, and uh, um, you know, like private offices for different uh, groups, uh, shared offices for different teams like marketing teams and development teams that can just kind of tap someone on the shoulder and say, can you please look at this? Share the screen for a second instead of going to Zoom, finding the link or like 15 different clicks until you find the share link on inside Zoom uh, and then go to Slack, share it over there, wait for the guy to see it. So like uh, uh, really speeds up a lot of uh, productivity for uh, teams that used to work from the same space, uh, but now um, uh, but now are not. This is exactly the solution. Well, I will go and have a look at it myself. Um, Sally, got anything you want to recommend to this in some years? Uh, yes, I am uh, rec- going to recommend a WordFest Live, uh, which is happening next week. I mean, the, the <clears throat> website says the 22nd, but it's actually because it's a 24-hour event uh, in my time zone, which is Pacific. Like the first thing I'm going to go to is like Wednesday night, and then there's some things on Thursday and some things on Friday. Uh, <clears throat> so... Um, uh, but there's a bunch of interesting stuff going on, and wherever you are, you'll probably find something that appeals to you. Oh, well, sounds fascinating. I will go and have a butchers at that. Well, panel, I know it's been a bit of a warm peace episode, but I think it's been a fantastic episode. I think we've had a, a great discussion. Vito, thank you for joining us. I hope you must join us back again next month or whatever. Uh, um, thank you for having me. No, you are part of the regular panel, uh, um, but we understand that babies and other baby. commitments yeah. come first, don't they? Uh, yes, um, my, my husband, foolishly, after the colleague he was working with uh, had, had recently had a baby, my husband said, how much time can one kid take? <laughs> and I responded and said, 
all of it. <laughs> Poor cats. <laughs> Oh, I had a Newfoundland dog, and that used to take up a lot of time. So yeah, well, nice. cats are less helpless than babies. Mm, okay. Babies like four cats plus two dogs, because you also have to pick up the poop. <laughs> I'm not going there. Not to speak been, up, you got to wipe it off. You know, it's yeah. even worse. Yeah. Uh, yes, the the the, the, uh, the the output of an infant is a remarkable substance. It could possibly be a weapon of mass destruction. Well, I've, I've, Thank you for that panel. Um, listeners of yours, we'll see you next week. We'll have a great roundtable show. We'll see you soon, or very soon. Actually, the week's just seem yes, to disappear. Yes, five minutes. It's five minutes um, from now. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 